rock and our healer. Amen. Have you ever thought about the power of words spoken out loud? We've just sung about the, the power of God's word, which for us are life and health and joy, all available through the living word, our Lord Jesus. In today's Bible passage, today from Matthew, we heard Jesus say this word, these words, truly I say to you. Some versions uh, say something like, I tell you the truth. And if you're a King James version, uh, a version fan, then you'll know very well, verily I say unto you. Do you know that Jesus says these words over 70 times in the Gospels? And the translation for truly I say to you is taken from the Hebrew word that we use, which is from the Hebrew word for amen. Now, when mere mortals like you and I say this word, it just means something like, so let it be. However, when Jesus says it, and it's translated into the Greek in the New Testament, it indicates something completely different. It indicates that the words that are coming next are actually a new revelation of the mind of God, a new truth that Jesus is revealing for the first time about the kingdom of God that's now at hand because he is at hand. So whenever we hear Jesus say, truly I say to you, or words to that effect in the Gospels, we need to listen to what comes next. It's important. So what does come next in Matthew that we heard today? In verse 20, this is what it says. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. A new revelation for a new covenant, this new relationship with God that Jesus is bringing. And this new revelation tells us that the tiniest amount of faith, when spoken aloud, comes with the power to shift immovable obstacles. And we see this power released as Jesus speaks. And in this passage, we see him speak and a demon leaves a boy and he's completely healed. Now, we could get really sidelined here and have a discussion about whether there really are evil spirits or whether Matthew is just using that term to understand what we now know as epilepsy. But let me just say one thing. It seems to me that Jesus always chooses his words very carefully. And he chooses his words to suit the nature of the situation. So from a healing point of view, when he heals the deaf man, he touches his ears and he says, be opened. For a man with leprosy who has been calling out day after day, unclean, unclean, because that's what he had to do to let people know that there was somebody nearby with this very infectious disease, Jesus touches him and he says, be clean, and he's healed. Now, in this case of the boy having seizures, 
I think Jesus indicated the nature of the problem by the words he chose, and he didn't say be healed. We're told in Matthew, he says, it says he rebuked a demon. He spoke to a demon, an evil spirit, and the boy was healed. And in each case, Jesus' words were accompanied by power to heal and restore. Now, there are examples of Jesus' words having the opposite effect. It's reported later on in Matthew and also in the 11th chapter of Mark of a time when Jesus was walking along and there was a fig tree and he went to pick fruit from it. it there was no fruit there and he spoke to the tree in, the, in Matthew and Mark. It says he cursed the tree with his words and it withered and died. That is the power of the words of Jesus. But what about us? We're told that people were created in the image of God. So God made everyone to be a spiritual being. And as Christians, we know we carry the spirit of God deep within. So can our words carry power? In the third chapter of James, in verse 9, it says this, With the tongue, we can praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we can curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Another tongue scripture that's often quoted is from Proverbs 18, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now we know from a human point of view that what we say can have a positive effect on somebody's life, can build somebody up. And sometimes our words also can wound and tear people down. But is it ever more than that? You know, we're happy to acknowledge the spiritual power of saying blessings. I'm, after all, at the end of many services, we have a spoken blessing, which is life to us if we receive it. So at times, the opposite must be true. If we speak negative words to people or over ourselves, and if they land and take root, they can have power too. It's what the Bible calls cursing. Like Jesus speaking to the fig tree and it withered. I wonder, can negative words cause withering in our lives? Can negative words sometimes create obstacles in our lives that need moving? Is there anything here that might need healing? John Ryland, who leads the Christian healing ministry, talks about God's healing in this way. He says, Christian healing is the ministry of bringing the ongoing touch of Jesus that transforms all of us into who we were created to be. Transforming us little by little into the people God created us to be. And we're all uniquely and wonderfully made. We're made in the image of God, but there's an awful lot that gets in the way of us becoming that person. And one of the things that can get in the way is what we believe about ourselves that actually isn't true. 
And these beliefs sometimes can start because of words that other people have repeatedly said to us. Or even words we repeatedly say about ourselves. So the question for this evening is this. If words have the power to bring life or death, to bless or curse, are there any words that we have believed about ourselves that don't line up with what God says in the Bible, in Scripture? Let me share a personal example about where a negative word had a real impact. So last year, my husband invited a financial advisor to come and visit us and have a conversation. But in the week leading up to this, a huge irrational fear gripped me. It was really strange. Every time Robert wanted to talk about it with me, this fear came up and I felt like crying. In fact, on a number of occasions, I did. And it was about an hour before this financial advisor was going to visit. And I found myself once again gripped by this fear. And I was, I was in bits. I was crying. So I went off to pray and get some tissues. Now, you see, for me, the reaction was so out of proportion to what was going to happen that I needed to talk to God about it. Something was wrong here, and I needed to find out what was happening. So I asked God about it and said, would you just show me? Is there anything here I need to know? And into my mind popped my maths teacher from school. Now, she had said that I would pass all my exams, but only because I had a good memory. I didn't actually understand what I was doing. And you know, for the next 40 years, God was reminding me that I'd been continually saying negative words over myself. My favorite one was, I don't do numbers. You see, the maths teacher was right. I actually didn't have a natural ability with maths, but those words I said about myself, to myself and to other people for 40 years, had actually brought fear into my life. So firstly, I asked God's forgiveness for saying those words like that so repeatedly. And I was very specific. I said, Lord, forgive me for saying, I'm no good at numbers. But then I asked him, what in his word, his Bible, could I replace those words with? And straight away into my mind was, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You may well know that from Philippians. So I started to say it out loud, agreeing with it as I heard myself saying it. I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. And the fear left. Peace came the tears dried up. So, being a girl, I went and redid my makeup. And not long after, I spent 90 minutes with a financial advisor 
confidently, confidently, confidently having a conversation, sorry, about numbers, and you know, happy to ask if I didn't understand. That's the healing power of declaring God's word aloud. I wonder if you have something negative that you've been saying over your life, or even something you're saying repeatedly now, like, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. I can't see a way forward. I'm too tired. What are we saying that actually we could replace with what God says? Of course, it's not just the things that we say about ourselves. Sometimes things that other people repeatedly say over us or to us just make something wither rather than thrive. Other people may have said things to you, particularly maybe many years ago, that have gone really deep and have built up these mountains of fear or doubt. Words that have actually impacted on our image of who we are and get in the way of becoming who we're meant to be. Particularly words that just just attack our self-esteem, that sense of satisfaction of who we are. Maybe somebody repeatedly said something to you like, oh, you know, you're really stupid, you're never going to get this. Or, you know, everything you touch always goes wrong. Or things like, you know, however hard you try, I don't think you're going to amount to anything. Or, you know, we're glad that we've got you, but we didn't really plan you. You weren't really wanted, but we're very pleased that you're here. You know, as a child, especially, if we repeatedly hear these sorts of things often enough, we actually start to believe it. Or maybe you only got affirmation and praise when you did something really good at school or achieved something. And so we start to believe that we all need to perform well to be loved. Everybody has some of these false beliefs about who they are. And God is in the business of revealing these so we can be healed and transformed bit by bit into who he created us to be. Fearfully, wonderfully made children of God. Now, of course, for some people, it's not just unkind words or high expectations. There has been real trauma and real abuse. And just changing negative words for the word of God is not going to be a quick fix. But, you know, alongside that long journey of healing and wholeness, you can take those moments of those words And you can let go of them and let God speak his word into your healing journey. So as we ask God to show us anything that we're wrongly saying or believing about ourselves, we can reject that negative and start to say what God says. Truth that we find in scripture. I am a child of God and he loves me. 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. God is for me. He's not against me. In Jesus, I am fully accepted and unconditionally loved. Now, this isn't, isn't a mantra or a magic formula that if we just say it enough, things will change. But each time we declare aloud the truth of what God says, particularly about what he says about us, it's like a moment of faith. And these moments of faith gradually build up over time until they take root in our hearts. And then we know that we know that we know that for us, that part of God's word is true. We have faith through these little moments of faith. And faith is the other part of the revelation from today's reading that comes after the truly I tell you. Because when we speak to these obstacles that are in the way with the tiniest amount of this faith, they move. Now, being a disciple of Jesus is a steep learning curve and we hear today that the disciples couldn't heal this boy even though the father went to them. And so later on, the disciples came to Jesus in private and they asked, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we heal him? And that was when Jesus taught them about this sort of faith. The faith that main, means they could speak and obstacles would move. And so we need to take notice of his answer. Apparently, we don't need much of this faith. We don't need to work it up. We don't need to measure ourselves and think, have I got enough faith to believe this? We need the tiniest amount of faith. The faith of a mustard seed, which was the tiniest seed known then. But it's always good to look at other passages in the Bible to get a fuller meaning. And in that passage that I mentioned about Jesus cursing the fig tree, he adds just a little bit more revelation about the nature of this tree-withering, mountain-moving faith. He says, if you have faith in God and do not doubt in your heart. So we only need a tiny bit of faith to speak to the obstacles. But it needs to be settled in our hearts that what we say is true. That means lining up with God's truth. We don't need to understand how or when the obstacles might move, but we do need to know who's going to move it. And so we take our tiny bit of faith and place it in the one who is faithful, for whom nothing is impossible. And we speak his truth, his word, and things change. And this is the faith, this tiny bit of faith, that when we have a view of ourselves that are wrong because of negative words, 
can change and bring healing. But there is one other factor. There always is this factor of forgiveness. We can't hold on to unforgiveness for the person who said those words. We can't hold on to the sense that God doesn't need to forgive us when we've said something that doesn't line up with his truth. Forgiveness is a huge thing, and for many of us, it is an obstacle in itself. But I'm just talking about forgiving a person for one thing that they said, not for every action or word that has ever hurt hurt us, but for that one thing that has taken root, and we can hear it like a broken record going round. And forgiving them just for saying that, like I had to do with saying, Lord, forgive me for saying, I don't do numbers. And then choose to have those moments of faith. As we stop believing, stop agreeing with the negative and start to believe and agree with what God says until it's secure in our hearts and let him move the mountains. So let me finish with a real-life story from an American Bible teacher called Joyce Meyer. She often speaks about the number one most important thing to counteract feelings of worthlessness and lack of confidence. And recently she wrote this. The first and most important secret is to know that you are loved by God unconditionally. Even if you weren't even loved properly as a child, you can get all the love and acceptance you need from God. And Joyce continues, I grew up in an abusive home. I didn't have a clue what love was, what real love was. But then I learned about God's unconditional love. God's unconditional love for me and it changed my life. It's a free gift we can continually receive as it's needed. And then she goes on to say this, I urge you, take the step of faith and say out loud, God loves me unconditionally and I receive his love. Like me, you may have to say it a hundred times a day, even saying it to your reflection in the mirror before it finally sinks in. But when it does, it'll be the happiest day of your life. So today, I encourage us all to seek God's healing. To ask him, is there anything that somebody has said to me or I've said over myself which has taken root? And then replace it by something that God says until we really believe it's true. There is power in declaring God's word out loud. Do you have anything to declare? Amen.